If you write blogs for your business's website, or if somebody in the business writes blogs, but they never seem to get any traffic and they don't seem to have any impact on your business, then this episode is for you. Because in this episode, we're going to share a process that you can use to write blogs that rank well on Google. Loads of benefits of this from generating traffic and generating conversions, giving you authority, being a place for thought leadership. But there is also an additional benefit, which is that they can be a great source of links. So if you want your blogs to have more impact this year, listen up. Let's go. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. So back in the days when we used to be able to do seminars, I would ask the audience, who writes blogs? And lots of hands would go up and then we'd say, whose blogs feel utterly pointless and then the majority of hands would stay firmly raised in the air. For many businesses, their blog feels like a pointless exercise, either because nobody reads it or they don't really know why they're doing it. Someone on a YouTube video told them that they needed to do it and they've been doing it religiously on the fifth Friday of every month since 2005, ever since. Well, this ends today because in this episode, we're gonna be talking about a process that you can use to write blogs which rank. And by the way, when we're talking about writing blogs that rank, we're using blogs as a bit of an interchangeable term. Really, blog can mean any non-core page of your website. So the core pages on your site, if you're a service business, there will be the pages targeting each of your individual services. If you're an e-commerce business, then your core pages will be your product pages, your category pages. So anything other than this. So for example, a knowledge base, if you've got a knowledge base on your site, that kind of falls under the same strategy that we're talking about today. FAQ section, if you actually have something labeled blog or even if it's labeled news or maybe it's just buyer's guides or something like that. So any content page essentially which is targeting informational traffic, i.e. you're not targeting people that are looking to buy something, you're not trying to sell something on the page, you're giving people information. That is loosely what we term as blog. And now obviously, as a dedicated listener and subscriber, I hope, of the Exposure Ninja podcast, you'll also know that you can use a strategy with your blogs where you answer your prospective customers' questions. And this is a great way to get some visibility to appear in front of people who are searching for the problem that you solve or they're searching for the solution that you offer but they have some questions around it. So this is what we call informational traffic. This is the people that are maybe not quite ready to buy yet. They're either in the curiosity or the research stage of the buyer journey, but they're not yet in the intent phase, which is when they're actually gonna make a purchase. And of course, because you're an Exposure Ninja podcast listener, and I'm sure you watch the videos on YouTube as well, you will also know that your blogs can be a great way to drive people back to the rest of your site through deep links, they're a great way to convert people with some kind of informationally targeted low commitment call to action. And they can help you build a retargeting list that you can run follow up ads to as you build as you push people through some kind of indoctrination sequence. Now, if that sounds a bit waffly, let's talk about some real examples. And by the way, if you want to watch the video version of this podcast, where I actually show you some examples on the screen, then you can head over to YouTube, just search for Exposure Ninja, how to write blogs. Okay, so first example, 
In the video, I show you on the screen one of our clients' Google Analytics accounts. Now, this client, very well-established business, and there's a lot of blogs on their website. These blogs are targeting various different topics, but basically everything that we can possibly think to help their target audience move forward with their careers. This business sells a membership which helps them with that. I don't want to give the name because we've shown their analytics. Now, the most interesting thing about this site's blogs is that they are generating conversions and 300 conversions over the last six months, which for this client is a really good win. So high ranking blogs can be a great source of traffic, but also conversions. And what we tend to find with our clients is that when we have a mature blog strategy, which has been running for a period of time and we're getting into a good frequency with the blogs, the blog or the content pages on the site really contributes a huge proportion of the overall site's traffic. In many cases, it's around two thirds. And this is typical for the Exposure Ninja website as well. So considering all the pages that we're running ads to and all the marketing that we do and all the followers that we have across social and videos and podcasts and all that type of stuff, still two thirds of our traffic is finding us through blogs. And it's these blogs that are ranking well on Google and bringing those people in. So that's an important consideration. And if you search for something like online PR, for example, which as a digital agency, that is obviously a phrase that we're targeting. When when you search for that, the page that's ranking is a blog post of ours. Same with buy backlinks. Now this is a phrase that we're targeting because it's a, a question or something that people who are at the start of their SEO journey might be asking like how do I buy backlinks or can I just simply buy backlinks that we've written a really in-depth blog post which ranks for this term and is a great source of leads for us. Also, even commercial terms like advertise on Google. The first search result for that term is obviously Google Ads, but the second search result is a post that we've written, which is a really detailed guide on how to advertise on Google. So you can find that these blog posts or these longer form content pieces can actually rank for some fairly high commercial intent terms if there are people in that group that click on it because they want the information. So get your blogs right and they can be a great source of traffic and conversion. But they also have another benefit as well, links. If you write a post which gets ranked really well for a certain topic, what you'll find is that when people are writing other articles and they need a source on that topic, a lot of the time they will find your post, they will read through and they will take an opinion from your post, link to it from their post with your opinion. So again, in the video, we show an example of a client who we wrote a news item on their site about a particular trending topic. And um, this thing has picked up quite a few links, including links from VentureBeat and even The Guardian. So this was a post that we wrote, which was designed to rank for a particular group of terms and also to do a bit of PR outreach to but it also picked up links later on from other publications because it was ranking well for those terms. So once you've got high ranking blog posts, it becomes a bit of a, a snowball because when people need something to refer back to, what do they do? They go on Google, they type something in, find a good blog post and then link to it. So it's a really useful strategy. It's not the sort of thing that's an immediate quick fix. The stuff that we're talking about today is stuff that you have to commit to. You have to get you know, a, a decent volume of blogs out there. I'm not going to give you a number because it depends on the resource that you have to dedicate to it. But this isn't the sort of thing where you just write one blog post and then go and retire in the Bahamas. This is a sort of thing where you have to have some kind of consistent resource behind it. And that brings me on to another really important point, which is that what you'll often find and what we definitely find across all our clients is that there's a real 80-20 thing going on with blogs. And what I mean by that is that 20% of the posts that you write will produce 80% of the traffic. The catch is you won't necessarily know which 20 are going to produce the 80. 
ahead of time. So there is a real volume thing here. If you write a couple of posts and you don't get the traction that you're after, keep going because you never know which ones are going to take off. And despite all the posts that we've written, we still can't figure out ahead of time which posts are going to be the ones that get traction, which ones are going to be the ones that get picked up the most and that rank the most. So you've just got to get the volume behind you. Okay, so that's a bit about why we're doing it, a bit of the context around why this strategy can be so powerful. Let's talk about the actual process itself. How do we actually write blogs that rank. Well, what I can do is talk you through a process that you can use and um, direct you to some of the areas that you'll want to look at. Because here's the thing, if you're writing posts in a very, very competitive space, you're going to have to bring out the big guns. You're going to have to do a lot more work to get those posts ranking than if you're competing in a space which is really, really poorly served, okay? If you're competing against weak competitors, a quick 300 word post might be all that it takes to outrank them. If you're competing against prominent, well-established affiliate sites, you're gonna have to work a lot harder. So let's talk about the process then. The first thing that you're going to want to do is to start brainstorming topics. Now you can go straight to data for this, but actually I would suggest doing a bit of thinking and maybe sitting down with a pen, I was gonna say a pen and pencil or pen and paper, but I honestly wouldn't even know, I don't think most people know where to find pens and paper these days, a, a, an empty Google Doc, right, or an empty Word Doc, and just thinking about the questions that your target audience asks as they're at the different stages in the buyer journey. Okay, so we talked earlier about the three stages in the buyer journey, or you can use four if you're using the attention, interest, desire, action model, whatever. I tend to use a three-stage process in my head, which is basically curiosity, research, and intent. So here's how I'm gonna explain the three stages to you. Let's imagine you're watching Love Island. You notice that everyone on Love Island has these really banging white teeth. So you grab out your phone and you type in teeth whitening. Now at this stage, you are at the curiosity stage. You are not buying teeth whitening. You don't even know what the different options are. So you're not qualified, you're not ready to buy yet. Teeth whitening, very, very broad term with a range of different intents. But if we think about what's going through the searcher's head at this point, they're probably looking for the different options, they're finding out what sorts of things are available, what sorts of costs, what sort of timescales, what the pros and cons are of each. So this is the curiosity stage. As they begin looking through these different options, they enter into a research phase. And once they're in the research phase, they're taking things a little bit more seriously. They may have actually committed to making a decision at some point. So what they're really looking to do is narrow down their options and figure out which way to go with this. So what they might search for at the research phase might be something like uh, whitening strips reviews or crest strips reviews or something like that. So what they're starting to do is maybe pick one or two different options which might be relevant for them and begin to compare them against each other to see which direction they're going to go. Now are they ready to buy at this stage? They might be. If they landed on a blog post which said the ultimate guide to crest whitening strips or crest whitening strips versus other teeth whitening methods and that blog post had a great in-depth article comparing the pros and cons of each different method and then linked through to the crest whitening strips product page to purchase this person might purchase during the research phase. But the conversion rate is going to be relatively low because this person is still usually trying to figure out which option to go with. Then you've got people that at the intent stage. So at the intent stage, they are looking to buy. They are going to make a purchase and they're going to do it imminently. So they might be searching for something like, well, to use the same example, Crest Strips Free Delivery. 
that's a commercial intent keyword. That's someone who's, you know, you're not searching for information, you're searching because you wanna go. So those are the three stages. You've got curiosity, you've got research, and you've got intent. Now, usually blog posts and information pages are targeted at the curiosity and the research stages of the buyer journey, i.e. they are targeted at people who maybe aren't quite ready to make a purchase yet. So for example, I've just bought a video tripod, okay? And when I was buying the video tripod, I first went through the curiosity stage comparing the solution I have to other things that are out there. I then went to the research phase where I'm starting to look at different models and different makes. So I'm searching for things like best video tripod 2021. And I'm beginning to filter through different options to work out what's right for me. This is perfect blog post fodder. So any sorts of buyer's guides on how to choose a video tripod, comparisons of the top model, um, guides on purchasing at different amounts, that sort of thing is absolutely perfect for this stage. So what you're really doing at this point in your blog writing process is your brainstorming. You're thinking about the questions and the problems and uh, the fixes that people might be searching for as they're in the curiosity and the research phase of the buyer journey. What we want to do then is use some tools to back up, validate or expand our ideas. So what you can do is go to Google and if you type in the search box, for example, type in best video tripods, you will see that Google has lots of suggestions for other things that you might wanna search. They've got suggestions of modifiers, so uh, best video tripods under 200. They've got um, suggestions of related terms, so best video tripods for DSLRs, whatever. Lots of kind of related and um, tangential topics or maybe more specific uh, versions of what you've, uh, what, you, what you've typed in. So that's a great place to start. You're gonna be making a note of these in your blank piece of paper or your Google Doc. The other thing that you'll want to do is head over to answerthepublic.com. Answerthepublic.com. You probably know it already. You just stick in your target keywords, say video tripods, and it will give you the questions that people are asking about video tripods. Really great resource. It actually uses Google's questions. So you get a similar sort of thing from just using Google, but it does for, for, um, for topics where there are loads of questions, it can give you a really kind of in-depth, wide resource all in one place. So that's pretty cool. So answerthepublic.com. So by this stage, you've started to generate a list of some questions which you think would make really good blog posts. The next thing that we're gonna do is check the search volume. So you can head over to SEMrush and you can use thankyouninjas.com. If you go to thankyouninjas.com, you'll get a free trial of SEMrush for 30 days. Uh, but you can use a tool like SEMrush to find out how much search volume there is around this term. Now this is where it's kind of part art, part science. If you put in a blog post which you think this will be absolutely perfect for our audience and you write that keyword in SEMrush and SEMrush said, no, there's no search volume for that. You've got a choice. Depending on how relevant that is to your target audience, if it's really relevant and you think this is exactly what our customers would search for, exactly what they need, you might decide to write that post anyway, even though SEMrush says there's no volume. SEMrush's data isn't perfect. Google doesn't give us complete data on keyword search volume anyway, so no one has the perfect data. But even if it says there's no search volume, 
if you know your gut tells you or your understanding of your customers tells you there is search volume there, I would still do it because there are going to be people searching for that thing. Okay. And if they're searching for that thing and everyone else has decided it's not worth targeting and you've got a post ranking for that, that can be a great source of business for you. If of course you're a larger site or you've got really aggressive growth goals, then you're obviously going to want to target posts which have a good amount of search volume. So you're going to want to target them that have decent monthly searches, but also potentially have um, a reasonable cost per click indication. So the cost per click in SEMrush is um, how much people are willing to spend to advertise for those phrases. So that can give you a bit of a feel for how competitive it is, but also what sort of commercial intent is there as well. So you've run your checks, you've got your blog post topic, which you think would work really well. There's decent search volume for it. And you think it nails your target customer's questions. The next thing that you're going to do is head over to Google and search it. What you're really looking for is what are your search competitors doing to rank for this term? The great thing about SEO is that everything is open. Everything is visible. You can see exactly what it takes to rank for that search term. So have a look at some of these things. How long are the posts that are ranking? Are they really in depth or are they fairly surface level? Remember, if you're going to beat them in ranking, you need to beat them in quality. You need to justify outranking them. So if you go to Google and you're analyzing your competitors' blogs and you're noticing that actually they're doing a really good job and these are really in-depth posts and they've got loads of detail and they've got multimedia, they've got videos and images and they're really well researched, you have two choices. You can either play that game and try and beat them at that, or you can pick another phrase that's maybe less competitive. So have a look at the sort of length that people are using in their blog posts. Also have a look at the format and the structure of the post. Is the whole post answering one question or is it like an ultimate guide type post where there are lots of subheadings targeting different variation questions. Remember, we talked about when you type that phrase into Google, it's going to give you some suggestions, some related questions, some related searches that people make. Well, one strategy can be to write, let's say we're writing a blog post on the best video tripods 2021, then the subtopics might be things like best video tripods for DSLRs, best video tripods for compact cameras, best video tripods for travel, best video tripods for whatever, waterproof, <laughs> whatever it might be. So you've got all these kind of sub questions, sub waterproof, where did I get that? Sub questions or subtopics underneath this main headline. So if you notice that approach, you know that you're going to have to bring that approach to your post if you're going to win, because that's typically how you write a long post is by having lots of these sub questions and writing a bit of information for each one. Generally speaking, the bar has raised with blogs and with content. And what it takes to get ranking now is much more advanced than what it used to take even just a few years ago. So you'll notice a lot of things for competitive terms like linkable tables of contents or maybe links to related posts or posts in that same category. And what these websites are trying to do is firstly increase engagement on the page. So when you land on that page, you're clicking through the table of contents to reach the section on that post. That tells Google that you're engaged with the post and it also means that you're not going to show as a bounce in analytics. So that gives the website owner a bit more understanding about where people are going and the information that they're looking for on the page. But also really the name of the game when you're writing your blogs is to stop people bouncing back to the search results to go and find an alternative answer to their question. That's really the worst possible result because then Google's going to see that you've not provided the answer that they were looking for and that can harm your ranking in future. So 
generally the bar is raised. You might want to include linkable tables of contents. You might want to include links to related content, which might be more suitable for people. So as soon as they get on that page, you just want to get them to the right content for them as quickly as possible. Let's talk a bit about writing style. Now people get tied up in knots when they're writing for their website generally, because they think they need to go into this kind of corporate, boring, weird speak thing. And it's totally not true at all. The guidelines we would give is when you're writing your blogs, imagine that you are your best salesperson talking to your best customer. That should be the sort of level that you're writing at. So if your customers are extremely advanced and very technically minded, then your posts are going to want to be a bit more technically minded. If your audience is uh, much more less sophisticated or they're uneducated about your product or service, then that's going to be the angle that you're taking. But don't be afraid to be conversational and don't be afraid to be natural in your writing. The easier it is to write your posts, the better they will do because people will spend more time reading them. So this is really important. Now, before we give you the final tips, I wanna say if you're interested in working with Exposure Ninja or you would like a second opinion on your current digital marketing, then Exposure Ninja offers a free service called the Website and Digital Marketing Review. In this review, we'll ask you a few questions about your business and your marketing goals. One of our team will then go away and research your website, your current digital marketing. We'll also have a look at your competitors as well. We'll put all of our findings into a 15 minute video, which will also include some recommendations about the focus areas for you over the next six to 12 months to hit the goals that you've told us about. And we'll email this video over to you at no charge. There's no catch, it's genuinely awesome. So to request your free website and marketing review, go to exposureninja.com forward slash review today. That is exposureninja.com forward slash review. Okay, back to the blogs. Let's talk in a bit more detail about writing your blog. So you may have structured your blog with a single topic, which is fairly broad. And then you've got these sub headlines underneath, which cover different elements of the answer or different questions that people might have about this topic. You then simply go through and answer each of those questions in as much detail as your best salesperson would in writing and there is your blog. Of course, anything that you can do to keep people on your blog posts for longer is really good. So you might also want to do things like embed videos. These can be videos that you've recorded and we record videos about some of the blogs that we write. So we've got that kind of two types of content on the page or they might be videos that you find elsewhere. That is absolutely okay. Remember the name of the game is to keep people on the page as long as possible and make sure they do not bounce back to the search results to find another blog post that's better. You might also want to include some images or graphics or infographics or whatever to make your blog post a bit more visually engaging than just a long piece of writing. So once you've done this and once you've created your post, you'll then want to run it through the Hemingway app, which checks for readability level and also Grammarly, which checks for spelling and grammar. It's obviously really important, even if your blog and your brand tone of voice is conversational and informal, it's really important that the spelling and grammar is on point and the easier it is to read, the better. Then it's time to hit publish. So what's gonna happen when you publish your really well-researched, really thought out blogs? Well, in all likelihood, at first, absolutely nothing. Because here's the thing, blogs take a while to rank. We've noticed that some of our clients' blogs, they can take three, six months, sometimes even a year to 
really get the true ranking value out of those blogs. So whether it's Google testing the blog at different rankings and seeing what sort of click-through rate it achieves, we don't really know, but there is this time delay between writing a great blog and getting it ranking. You might notice that, for example, a lot of the blogs that are ranking really well for a particular topic have a lot of links pointing at them. They have a much higher page authority score than yours, in which case it might be time to do some link building to your blog post. Loads of different ways that you can do this, and we've talked about link building in other videos, so I'm not gonna go into loads of detail here, but doing things like adding data or adding the sort of information that journalists and people in your space will be interested in talking about can be a great way to pick up links. For example, uh, the, uh, the the client I talked about earlier where they got links from The Guardian, there was some data in that post. We'd conducted a survey, we put it in the post, and then when The Guardian was writing about that topic, they wanted to reference some data on it. They found our post because it was ranking well, and there we go, we get the link. So including data can be a great thing to do. If, for example, you're writing the best tripods of 2021 guide, you might wanna put together an infographic or something which you could then give to photography or videography bloggers, or you could ask for other people's opinions, or you could say, I'd be happy to write a guide for your website or a version of this for your website. And of course, you'd always, always link back to your original post in that new post. So lots of different ways that you can get links, but getting links to a blog post might be necessary if it's not getting the traction that you're really after, or if you notice that the best ranking blog posts are excellent and have a good volume of links. So that is how to write great ranking blogs. I hope you found that useful. So let's recap and talk through some action steps. So the first thing that we did was we did a bit of brainstorming to map out the sort of topics that your target audience is going to be interested in at the different stages of their buyer journey. The next thing that we did is check using Answer the Public and SEMrush to make sure that there are no other topics that we'd missed or, um, or and to also make sure there's enough search volume around the posts that we're thinking of writing. After that, what we did is research our competitors for these blog topics. So we had a look at the other competitor sites that are ranking and we in particular looked at how in-depth are these posts, how good are they, are they using other media types, are they using linkable tables of content, how, like what's the standard that we're going to have to beat in order to win this game and what are some of the strategies that people are using. The next step is we identified the subheadings that we were going to use in our blog. So we might start with one main fairly broad heading and then we've got subheadings which you can pick out from the Google suggested uh, search terms as well if you need them. Then we ran it through Hemingway, we added, ran it through Grammarly, we added rich media, we added videos and images, we hit publish and we may have built some links to it as well. That is the process that you can use. Now remember, you're not going to win with every single post. So you're going to have to, this is going to be something that you're going to have to crank the handle with. You're going to have to write a decent number of posts and I'd suggest setting aside some time or committing to a certain schedule. The question that people always ask is, how often do we need to blog? There is no single answer to that because you might write one great blog post and that happens to be your 80-20, that happens to be your 20 that gets really good ranking and then, you know, you're done. But most of the time with our clients, we're aiming to do maybe one or two really good quality posts per month, just so we've got enough, you know, horses in the race or whatever the right metaphor is to get some winners on a fairly frequent basis. So I hope you've learned something and I hope you found this podcast useful. If you have, remember to subscribe. It really helps us uh, when you subscribe and also leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're using. 
that means the world to us. Don't forget also you can check out the video versions of this podcast and you can also join us live every Friday for digital marketing workshops on our YouTube channel. So just head over to YouTube and search Exposure Ninja. You know the deal. Until next time, see you soon.